Alright, welcome in. I am recording this intro on Friday morning. Inside Golf Podcast, by the way. My name is Andy Wack. It's Friday of the PGA Championship uh, for me right now. By the time you're listening to this podcast, it's probably sometime during Colonial Week. Uh, and I was not able to do any Colonial content this week because I'm in New York. Uh, my brother's graduating college. I've got a ton of family stuff going on. So this is an episode that I pre-recorded. Twitterless Steve of the Golf Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, where Steve and I take what we believe to be the top 15 players in the world at this moment in time and debate how many majors they finish their career with. I think it's a really fun episode. And if you enjoy it, we will continue to do more stuff like this in the future. Before we bring on Steve, we're presented as always by rickrunka.com. Like I said, no colonial content for me on this podcast feed, but if you do want all my thoughts on Colonial, you can still head over to rickrungood.com slash Andy because I did do a full course breakdown over there. And I also will be doing a full Wednesday DraftKings article over there as well. So I do have some thoughts on Colonial and you can find all of those on rickrungood.com slash Andy. Make sure when you sign up, Use Andy for that promo code. Want to give a special thanks as well to all the people that supported my stuff PGA Championship Week. I continue to be humbled by how this podcast is growing, and I genuinely have a ton of gratitude for uh, everyone that took the time to leave a review, share the show, retweet the show, reach out. Uh, it all means a ton to me, and I haven't gone through all of them yet. This is going to be my project on the plane tomorrow, but I will be in touch shortly with the winner of that giveaway, and we will absolutely run it back for the U.S. Open in a couple of weeks. I thought the DraftKings pod uh, with Kobe worked really well, and I know he's not a, I know he's not a content guy, but I, I thought it was pretty much a natural at this. Uh, and it seemed like people really enjoyed us together as well. So we will absolutely run that back for the U.S. Open, uh, which I can't believe how soon that is, by the way. Uh, but anyway, thanks again for all to all for a very fun week at Southern Hills. It's bad timing because I wish I was able to do like a, a full recap show because I've got a ton of thoughts on this golf course. I think it, as we sit here on Friday morning, has delivered already on so many levels. Uh, but your younger brother only graduates college once, hopefully. Uh, so I wanted to be there for that one. All right. Let's bring on Twitterless Steve. All right. Twitterless Steve is here. Golf Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You know, Steve, when I conceived of this idea... I knew that you were the perfect man for the job because I knew that you were probably the only other person on the face of the planet that had some takes on PGA Frisco, the site of the 2027 PGA Championship. 
You know, I was very happy that uh, Google Earth actually had updated images because I've been looking <laughs> at that site for the last couple of years and just following the construction and to see like the little tiny bulldozers on one end of the property. And then like I flipped to like another day, it's at the other, you know, start seeing some greens constructed. But yeah, it was uh, it was uh, very appreciated that you forced me to look at the 2027 <laughs> PGA and see how that's going to match up for everybody uh, and how we think they're going to do there. Well, let me set the stage for everyone before we dive into Frisco. We are recording this on Wednesday, May 11th, the Wednesday right before the Byron Nelson starts. The reason we're doing this is because the week after the PGA Championship, my brother's graduating Princeton, right? Pretty imp- I'm proud I'm proud as fuck for uh, for him, man. He he uh he's got incredible grades there too and so I just Moral of the story, I want to be there. The graduation is like Tuesday morning. There's like parties and receptions and dinners that I have to go to basically all like next Sunday through Wednesday. So I'm not going to be able to do any colonial content pretty much at all. So I'm releasing this bottle episode, which I'll explain a little bit more in a second. We're probably going to release it like Tuesday or Wednesday of Colonial Week. So, Steve, I'm already setting us up for a situation where we look stupid because we are recording this the week before a major and releasing it the week after a major. Exactly. I mean, first of all, I want to say congratulations to Tom Hoagie for uh, for winning the PGA <laughs> next week. Yeah. You know, I mean, just out of nowhere, Cinderella story, you know? I hope so. I hope, well, I guess some of the guys that I went over with it would help. And some of the guys that I went under with, you know, maybe helps the case a little bit more. But what me and Steve are going to do here basically is I took the 15 most, they're not the top 15 players in the official world golf ranking. They're very close to it. But I took, in my opinion, the 15 most interesting, compelling players in golf right now. And I set an over under on how many majors they are going to finish their career with. And I did not tell Steve any of the over-unders, by the way. So he's coming in blind. And so basically what me and Steve are going to do is we're going to go through these 15 golfers. <laughs> There's a couple more rapid-fire ones at the end that we can talk about. Um, but we're going to go through these 15 golfers, and we're going to debate on whether they are over or under the major the major total that I set for them. So I'm factoring in what they already have, Steve. So for example, like DJ, if he's over 3.5, that means he needs to win two more because he already has two. That doesn't mean that he needs to win four more to go over the total. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. I actually have on my chart right here how much they got and uh, my anticipated total. So yes, uh, we are absolutely on the same page as far as uh, what the expectations are for this podcast. So quick, very quickly, before we dive into the players, do you want to talk about some of the, the venues coming up real quickly? Like, How did you prepare for this at all, if, well, if, if any? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, obviously, I think you got to factor in um, what sort of agronomy these you know golf courses are going to be uh i think you also need to factor in too as far as like a lot of these golf courses especially the pgas and the u.s open setups like they're undergoing recent renovations now i don't know the full details of what it is i mean the one thing i do appreciate is that it does seem like uh we are canceling reese jones and tom fazio 
with oh. a lot of these recent <laughs> renovations. I mean, Gil Hans is just taking over everything. I think he's got eight courses yeah. out of everything I saw between the PG and US. He's got a hand in eight of them. I know Andrew Green also has Congressional and Oak Hill, which is two miles from my house. Yeah. So I'm very familiar with the work that'd be doing at Oak Hill. And I, I, from what I've seen, doing a very, very good job erasing what Tom Fazio had done to the place over the years. <laughs> uh, you know, we still got a Jack Nicholas in there. We still have, you know, two Tom Fazios that haven't had any work yet. But, you know, overall, I, I, I thought it was a good. It's like a nice transition from like the old guard into like this new style of like, you know, architecture that well, it's not even really new. Like Gil Hans is like, he's going back basically to doing a lot of the restoration stuff. And it's nice. And it's going to be nice seeing these golf courses, you know, and, you know, as we've seen with Southern Hills next week that, you know, we're talking about before we see it, but like how we've seen these golf courses before and how these new guys have put a new spin on it and how that might change how they play. Next six U.S. Open, Steve, Brookline, LACC, which is right down the road for me. One of the best golf courses I've ever played in my life. Pinehurst, number two, Oakmont, Shinnecock, Pebble Beach. So I've played four of those. Gil Hans did LA, too. He did an incredible job. Hans has got, he's got two in a row right now with Southern Hills and uh, Brookline. And then he's got LACC coming up. What else am I missing? He's done some, I'm just looking at US Opens, but he's done. So he's also done work at Aronimink. That's right, which is he's 2026 done, PGA. Yep. He's done Baltusrol, which is yes. 2029. Which he's, I heard was fantastic. Yep. So he recently did Wingfoot. So we That's just right. saw that. That's going to be coming up again, I think, in 2028. And then he's got Oakland Hills. So, uh, which is, I think way out like 2033. So that's probably not even like factoring because I think a lot of these guys are going to be about almost 40 by then. So, but yeah, I mean, like, it's just, um, you know, he's got a hand in a lot of this stuff and it's nice seeing, you know, just some, a little bit of a new direction. It's going to be exciting to see what he does. Cause I think only on the PGA tour, the only things we've really seen with Gil Hans is TPC Boston, I think. Right. Um, and then. And you that's know, really he, it. I'm pretty sure he's done some stuff at Plainfield and Ridgewood. You know, those they used yeah, to host right. the um the what was it, Barclays or something like that? Yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, it was a famous cup event. Yeah. Who's designing? So those were the US Open ones that we just went through. PGA, Southern Hills in a week, Oak Hill 2023, which I've also played. I played Oak Hill about four or five years ago. Has more work been done even since then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So basically what they did was, I mean, it's, it's actually probably completely different than what you saw it. So okay. what they ended up doing was they restored uh, one of the old, or basically they restored one of the old par threes where it was, it used to be an old practice screen tucked right by the entrance. So they ended up basically doing a lot of work with it, renovated the greens, you know, renovate all the bunkers. So that's a new par three. That's going to be right after the long par five hole number four. Then they ended up combining holes five and six. Basically, mm. they took away that par three that has the Allen's Creek running by the left. And then that's the new green for the fifth. Uh, the 15th, there used to be the pond uh, yeah, right by the course. right there. That's it's all short, filled. It's that, short par three, right? Yeah, that's all filled in with grass now. So wow. they redid all the greens. And I mean, that was the biggest thing they did uh, was to work with the greens. Uh, all the greens now have square edges. 
Uh, just over the years, just because of like, you know, with mowing patterns, everything, the greens just shrunk. They lost pin positions. They were circular. All the greens now have been restored, you know, so there's no pin business. All the bunkers have been restored to something's been shifted around. They cut down a lot of trees too. And I'm mm-hmm. very interested in seeing when I go to the property next year, as far as like how it's changed, as far as like, because it feels very claustrophobic when you play Oak Hill. Right. But, you know, they took out a lot of trees to help with uh, agronomy growth. But also I'm wondering if that means maybe you can be a little more aggressive off the tee. So a lot, it's definitely changed a lot since then. Uh, oh, and they also, the greens were bent POA back then. Now it's all bent grass. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work and I think they've done a lot, a pretty good job with it. You know, what's interesting about Oak Hill, not to get to, here we are already, not to get too into the weeds. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to the players in a second. But the one thing that I liked about Oak Hill is as a major venue is it's not a long golf course. Um, and I think one of, uh, one of the trends that I've started to notice, uh, at major championships, even with Augusta a little bit, I, I, I noticed this for the first time that I was doing Augusta where I was like, wow, I really am starting to, to see something here. And especially with the PGA courses too, like with, I kind of dove into Southern Hills today, uh, for the first time in pretty much since looking at it since September or since last December. And the one thing that I noticed is like, man, I really think length is just going to be a thing at major championships for the foreseeable future. From what I've heard, the rumblings on PGA Frisco, it's long as hell. And I just think a lot of these courses for these major championships coming up, you have your exceptions in Pebble, but LACC is going to be super long. Pinehurst is super long. Oakmont's over 75 now. Shinnecock's over 74. Southern Hills, when I talked about it on um when I talked about it on that December preview major show, I thought that it was going to play around like 73, 7,400 yards, be a par 71. When they played it in the Tiger year in 07, it was 7,100 yards. And I was looking at it today, it's over 7,500 yards, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, one thing that I'd be curious to see, and I was kind of using that as a way to kind of help me with some of these players is I just think that length at major championships is a trend that we are going to continue to see for the foreseeable future. And I think one of the things that makes a place like Oak Hill and Pebble Beach and Olympic Club as well kind of great is that they find a way to be really, really difficult courses without being overly long. So I'm curious, I hope they don't beef up Oak Hill too much, if that makes sense. No, I, I think the, they lengthened it a little bit, but still going to play about 7,300 yards. It's not an overwhelming length at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I kind of saw, I agree with you. I mean, length is always a big factor. I think some of these courses though, that might play a little firmer, still kind of benefits right. the shorter hitter because they will get it, be able to get it out a little farther. And if they just hit the ball straight, it's going to keep rolling, especially like a Pinehurst, you know, something like that. So, uh, but I think you're, you you nailed it on the head. I think the PGA is definitely undergoing a shift right now as yes. far as like that, like for years, the U S open was like, all right, the big bad bomber. Yeah. And now the PGA just with some of those venues other than Oak Hill and Olympic club, 
Those are the ones where now it's like, okay, 7,400, 7,500. Quail hollow, Baltus rolls. Yeah, just like thick, rough, long, like, and that, like, those ones were like, okay, you're favoring the bomber. Whereas, you know, some of these US Open venues like coming up, and I mean, you know, I mean, you got Brookline, that might be a little of a shorter quarter. Yeah, it will be. Yep. Yep. I mean, like, I know LA Country Club, I mean, you know much better than me, but. If it plays firm in June, and I don't know, like, are the fairways pretty wide there? So, eh. may, and maybe that could give, I don't know, a shorter hitter a little bit more of a chance. I think Pinehurst still can. Yes. Oakmont, I think it's still going to be a bomber track. Wingfoot still too. But, like, it seems like there's maybe a little bit, like, I, I felt like when I was looking at some guys, like, some of them were the shorter-ish guys or, like, the guys who just scramble really well, like, do all that stuff. I tended to like them more at US Opens and then some of the big bombers now I like them more at the PGA. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see kind of like, I, cause I'm sure we're probably going to go over this as, you know, kind of banter around like, okay, where do you think this guy's going to win? It'll be interesting to see what you think and then kind of compare like, you know, to what I'm thinking too. Last quick thing I want to comment on, you know, is we should comment on the Open. We've got St. Andrews this year, Royal Liverpool, Royal Troon, Muirfield, St. Andrews again in 2026, Turnberry, and then Royal Lithum and St. Anne's. The thing about the Open that it's interested, we talk about trends, about where we think we see the PGA going. I think you're right. I think you nailed it. I think the PGA is making a shift to becoming closer to a U.S. Open in terms of the scoring. Like I, like I said, I dove into Southern Hills today. I think it's going to be brutal. I mean, I, I, I remember when I played Southern Hills a year and a half ago, uh, the caddy said that he thought it was going to play over par. And I said, eh, I mean, maybe. But I, I think the PGA has kind of started to undergo this shift where it's going to start playing closer to a U.S. Open. Kiowa, I think two or three players were under par last year. Wouldn't be shocked at all if Southern Hills was similar. I think the Open is in a weird spot because I think the Open it's always the tournament that is most reliant on the elements. And you don't see those course changes like Gil Hans coming in and doing a bunch of things to change these courses. I mean, they've tried it with St. Andrews, but after a certain point, like there's only so much you can do. Like they have a couple of tees now that are at St. Andrews that are in like a cow pasture, right? Like after a certain extent with some of these older courses in Scotland, like, you can't really do too much to change them. And if you did too much to change them, like you'd really be screwing with um, the integrity of the course, which brings me back to my hottest take of the year that the open championship should always been played, should always always be played with hickories. (laughs) I like it. But, but, you know, I, I think, um, I think the opens in a weird spot because like we said, I think the PGA could be shifting to much harder scoring similar to the US Open. And I think the Open Championship is the one that maybe could be going in the other direction if we don't get win. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. And honestly, for the last couple of years, it seems like the RNA has been just resigned with, okay, this is our golf course. And right. whatever it is, it is. Like, I mean, there have been times, like even through history too, like, I mean, Royal Burkdale would be pretty easy. And then I've also seen times when it was like plus four, you know, yeah. and I, I think they're fine with that. I think they're fine with that role. Uh, but you're right though. I think another reason why too is like, they can't really do anything is because hey, like, you know, the properties they built on are hundreds and hundreds of years old. There's <laughs> yeah. not much they can really do. And these also are popular 
tourist destination places to go play. And like, they can't afford to just close down for weeks on end and do like yeah. major renovations to the greens or add bunkers and like move tea by they, they can't simply do it because they're going to lose out of revenue. Like same thing as like a pebble beach too. Like, like that's also, I think like another <laughs> yeah. one going back to it, like that probably needs something done, but what are they going to do? Like they're going to lose out. Like at the end of the day, it's about making money and they can't just close the course for like, you know, six months. And lose yeah. on that. So, but I'm okay with it. Like, I, I think with the open, like, I, I, I just appreciate having it come to my television every single year, just because it's something different. And you know, I, if it's 15 under, 30 under, plus five, like, I'm just appreciating that. I'm just watching it. So, I mean, I, I think the RNA is doing a right decision. Just letting the courses play how they play, trying not to tinker too much. And yeah. I mean, we criticize the USGA for trying to do that all the time. And I like how they're just saying, okay, you know, if 3,500 wins St. Andrews, so be it. Right. We are so deprived of like true links golf mm-hmm. as fans that you kind of think, okay, you know, if once every two or three years we can really get some weather, I'll take it. Right. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting with St. Andrews this year because I think without weather, like you said, I could see some of these these bigger guys bombing it. But that's a conversation for a different day. Let's get into the players, Steve. Okay. I'm going to start us off. Here's, a, here's, here's the first guy. And I started off with some of the more established players, and then I wanted to work my way down to some of the younger players. Dustin Johnson is the first guy that I want to talk about. Over under majors, 2.5. He's okay. 37 years old. He's got two. 2016 U.S. Open at Oakmont, 2020 Masters. So, Steve, we'll start with you. Does DJ win another major? I think he does. I mean, I think the only thing you got to be concerned with as far as, like, does he just go up and just quit after, like, when he's 42 or 43 and just say, okay, I'm just going to hang out on my yacht and just, you know, <laughs> say la vie. But I think what I like about DJ, so I went over on him. I think he's going to get at right. least one. Um, I think he can win another masters. Um, I think PGA and us open, just looking at some of those venues. I, I don't like the more recent ones coming up for him. So yeah. maybe that, maybe those like, I probably are not well, a good fit, but like, that's a what, second crack at Oakmont. He does, but by then he's going to be over 40. Good so, point. but I think what I like about DJ though, is that I feel like his game is going to age well because his swing is very long. And yes. you see some guys with really long swings, like a Phil Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah, he's competitive until he's 50. And you know, I, I think with DJ as well, like like I used to just associate him with just all right, bomber, ball striker, not really great putter, but he has added a lot of those kind of you know old man tricks to his game as his age. He's a much better putter, much better scrambler now. Like it almost makes me think that like maybe the open might be in play as he goes down the line. So I, I think he's gonna get one before he says it's all done, you know, when he's all done. Yes. So I went over to a couple points on DJ. First of all, I like him. I like him at Southern Hills next week. Um, Yeah. yeah. And I like him at St. Andrews too. He's been sneaky good in British open. So he's made 10 of 12 cuts in British opens, six top 25s, four top tens, a top five and a runner up. He's been good in majors. He's got a 42% major top 10 percentage over the course of his career. Like that's up there. Like the best modern major players, it's been DJ, it's been Rory, it's been Brooks. Like those are the guys that are above 40%. The only other guys under like a more limited sample size are like 
Xander and Finau and and Morikawa through nine mm-hmm. starts and Sheffler through through nine ish starts, right? But I think the thing about DJ is, you know, I think there's this. I I've already started to hear it a little bit, um, like the are we sure DJ's that guy anymore? Is DJ kind of on the back end of his career now? It's been, I think, 16 months since his last win. And I'm ta- we're recording this a week before the Byron Nelson. The narrative right now is like, God, it's been forever since JT's won. Like, it's been longer for DJ, right? But I think maybe some people are starting to think like he's just entering a different stage of his career. The thing I'll say about DJ, I agree with all of your points about the the fluidity of his swing. The one thing I'll add is I have one or two people that one of my buddies from college like is friends with him. They spearfish or whatever. I think one of he's friends with a lot of famous people. So he's Rob Lowe's kid, but him and DJ like spearfish together all the time. Anyway, he was telling me, you know, one of the misconceptions I think about um about DJ is that he doesn't care. And I, I, from everything that I've heard, DJ works his ass off. The only difference is he, he has a very, how would I, how do I put this in the best way? His attitude is very unique on the PGA tour, the way that he approaches golf. It's not his entire life. You know, I've heard players talk about like Homo was talking about in a recent interview, how you watch DJ hit a shot, like he left one in the bunker and it didn't change anything. It didn't change his demeanor at all. Like he didn't, he, he just doesn't get flustered at all. And, and I don't think he puts as much pressure on himself, maybe as say a Rory. And I think that's why he's had a lot of consistency in major championships. I think he's underachieved overall in major championships, like at the beginning of his career. If you told me DJ finishes his career with two majors, I think that's low, but I think his game is still going to age well. And I don't, think he's somebody that is just going to go completely silent into the night. I don't think he's going to win two or three majors in his forties, but I think he'll finish with three. Yeah, no, I, I think my number was exactly three and kind of like what you just said with that attitude, like, like when I'm trying to think about guys who can win the open, you know, a guy who kind of has like a Dory brain a little bit, just right. lets things go and just says, okay, well, you know, cause you get bad breaks at an open, just the ball bounces funny, ends up funny in a bunker. And he'll just like, all right, I'm just going to go hit it and then move on. And you know, like it, it seems like every time I go to an open, we can kind of cross some certain guys off and DJ is not what I'm going to be crossing off, you know, going forward. And, and, you know, I, I think like, I, it's always dangerous to speculate it, you know, be armchair psychiatrist, but like, I, I remember when he won the masters and just, I was kind of unexpectedly surprised like how emotional he got. Right. And I feel like a claret jug might be something he would want to do. Like, like the fi- one of the final things that like kind of check off for him is like winning that. So I, I think he can do it, I, I, but uh, I think he's got one more in him. And I, I think, uh, all right, so we're starting off on the same page. That's good. Rory McIlroy, he's 33 years old. He's won four majors. He's won the 2011 U.S. Open at Congressional, the 2012 PGA at Kiowa, 2014 Open Championship at Liverpool, 2014 PGA at Valhalla. It's been yeah, almost eight years since Rory has won a major. He, so he currently has four. I put his over under at 5.5. Where okay. are you going? So I'm going to go under. 
Okay. I always got, I always got one left. And it's not like, it's, it's not necessarily like, I don't think any of these golf courses fit. I mean, obviously we have Quail Hollow in there. We have Valhalla in there. Right. I, think. I mean, all these courses, I feel like he, he's a threat. And I just think that like, just watching Rory over the last few years and kind of following what he's been doing off the course and what he's been saying. And I'm not sure how much, I mean, it's, Obviously he wants to win. Obviously he wants to do well, but like he's got, you know, he's on the player's advisory council now, or he was doing that thing with like Carson Daly, like trying to get, what was it like golf now or something, whatever that was, got off the ground and just, I'm not sure how much he just like, is like that killer anymore that we kind of saw in 2014, except for the masters. I think that is something he obviously wants to win. Mm -hmm. And I think, he probably will get one of those. But other than that, I just, I'm not quite sure if he's got any more, especially just like with everybody else kind of coming up and coming. Like there's so many good guys. And I mean, we're going to go through a lot of this list and like, you know, it's, it's not everybody can win like a bunch, you know? And so I'm going to go under on him. I think it, I think he can probably pick off a master's. So you think uh, it's, that was the next question I was going to ask you. Do you think it is the master's? I think at some point it will be. I, I just, I, I, he just plays so well there. I think what happened this year too, he kind of like, you know, just with the good ending, he looks very happy. Like, right. Yeah. I think at some point it, it will happen just because it's been so good there. But otherwise, I think he's going to end up with five. And I think that's it. I went under two, Steve. You know, I think a lot with Rory about that Patrick Harrington quote about the loss of innocence. Um, and I'm with you. I worry that. Sometimes it feels like Rory is overthinking at this point. He's too far in his head. We talked about, you know, earlier he chased distance for a while and it kind of screwed him up for like a full six months. He lost like half a year of just playing kind of mediocre golf by losing his swing. He's gone through three or four coaching changes in the last couple of years. And yet at the same time, I still think he's the most talented player of this generation. I still think he's the most talented. If we're just talking pure talent, I think he's the most, in terms of God-given gifts, since Tiger, I think it's Rory. Um, 33, he's not young, right? Um, And a lot of the younger guys that we're going to talk about later, I think we're both all pretty high on. I think he gets one more too. I'm not sold that it's a Masters though. I think he's dangerous at Southern Hills. I was just recency biased, but I was just looking into that today. And I think there are a lot of good PGA setups coming for him. Like if he goes over Steve, I think the roadmap for him to go over is multiple more PGAs because you look at where the PGA is headed with Valhalla and Quail Hollow and PGA Frisco and Baltus Roll and high ball flights and distance off the tee and carry distance it's Rory. Um, so I went under two, but I think the pathway for him is a figuring out the mental side a little bit more because I really like, I really like a lot of these golf courses for him going forward. If the PGA is kind of turning into what we think it's turning into. Yeah. I mean, I see basically four in a row right now with Valhalla, Quail Hollow, Rana Bank, PJ Fresco right there. I, I think all those would be really good Rory tracks for him. And then, you know, Southern Hills, I mean, I know we're talking about this after the fact, but he's also <laughs> on my radar for that. So, you know, I still call that five of six, 
You know, I mean, he has a really good open championship rack, track record too. He does. You know, he, he's, he's always seems like he's in the mix. Maybe he can pick up one of those, but I just, I think I'm just with you. Like I, I'm not sure how much of like, how much of a priority, like everything kind of is for him right now. Just as far as like his stay at the game with everything. And, you know, and it's that mental side, like you just talked about. So, and you're right, it's 33 and the window probably for him is, I don't know, eight years, maybe. So I don't know. I, I think you're, I think one's probably a good number as far as like what his future uh, major is going to be. So yeah, I think we're on the same page again with that. I think it's easy to just pick overs for every single oh, yeah. one, but this is why I wanted to have you on because it's like, listen, we're going to get into a situation where when it's all said and done, where there's going to be four or five, maybe six players on this list where we're like, geez, that guy ended up with only this many majors. There's just too many good players now. So I like how you're, you're being kind of tempered with me. I think of the 15 guys, I went nine unders and six overs. Okay. I mean, I know you couldn't, you couldn't do that because you didn't know the over unders, but let's bring us to our next one. Jordan Spieth. He's 28 years old. He has three major wins. He's won the 2015 masters, the 2015 U S open at chambers Bay the 2017 Open Championship at Royal Birkdale. By the way, Steve, do you want me to go first some of these times? Like, do you, like, I feel like I'm always having you lead off. Should we switch off? Yeah, why don't you, uh, why don't you lead off on this one? Okay, we'll switch off. So I went over under 4.5 on Spieth, which would mean he needs to win two more. And I went under. I, you know, he's got more, I think it's safe to say that Spieth has more, prime years than a Rory or a DJ coming up. He's only 28 years old. So you probably probably have to imagine he's still got a decade left of prime golf. I think he's always going to be a threat at the masters. And I think he's always going to be a threat at the British. I don't like the way that the PGA is trending for him. And I don't, I don't like him at us opens. I thought, you know, what happened at chambers Bay, that course played, really firm and fast. I don't think we're going to get venues like that. I think his best shot is probably at a Brookline, but I don't know if Spieth is headed in the direct, if we, if I'm under the belief that distance is just going to become increasingly popular in the game of golf. And even some of these open venues where if we don't get wind, they're going to be a little bit more defenseless. I don't know if the roadmap for Spieth as he gets older into his late thirties is going to be as easy as it would be for a Brooks or a DJ or a Rory. Um, I think Spieth gets one more gun to my head. I think he wins another masters, but if you told me it was an open, I would accept that too. And I could imagine him struggling in some PGAs and some U S opens coming up. What about you? Okay. So we have our first disagreement. Okay, make the case. So I went over, and I think it's because I think Spieth actually, as I kind of look at the schedule of everything, I think Spieth actually has the most opportunities of anybody. Because mm. I actually kind of like some of these U.S. Open setups for him. Okay, Pebble so I, I could see for so, sure. So I, like, so I like Brookline for him. I think we're both on the same page. Um, I mean, I haven't dove too much into L.A. Country Club yet. You are obviously have more familiarity with it. Um, Morikawa is going to get that one. Yeah. That, well, that's one of the one I was <laughs> thinking about that too, but like, like if that's, 
So let me ask you a question about this too. It, so what's the agronomy on LA Country Club? Because I couldn't find, I had conflicting info when I tried looking at that up. Is it Bermuda? No, it's POA. It's isn't POA? It, isn't it POA bat? Then that's completely different than what I, I saw. There's no, there's no way it's Bermuda. I saw Bermuda. I saw Bent. So I don't know. Maybe where, just no one has good info on this. Where? Okay, well, part of the reason is, is that LA Country Club's members would like you to think that they don't exist. Yes. So I would imagine that it's been pretty tough to find info on it online. You know, yeah. they've ha- they've been asking LA Country Club for U.S. Opens for 50 years, and mm-hmm. this is the first time that they were finally like, all right, fine, we'll do it. Yeah. God, that's going to be a nightmare trying to get intel on that before a tournament. So, I mean, I got you, because so. you played it, though. Like, yeah. You're probably going to have an edge on everybody. Yeah. So, all right. So, I mean, so the Pinehurst, though, I, because I remember the 2014, that was very firm and fast. Right. That one, and just with how some of the greens are, like a lot of shave down areas, Short like game. around the green game is going to be really important there. Plus, that's also one where there's no rough anymore. So, it can, even if it rolls into, you know, the junk, it still can be a little bit of a luck box as far as, okay, like you might be completely fine there or you're behind like a palmetto bush or something like that. So, you know, I, I think that might be okay for him too. You know, obviously Oakmont, Shinnecock, and then you got Pebble, which, you know, he's could be live at and then Wingfoot, like, you know, those ones I don't really feel are speed ones. I agree with you on the PGAs. I don't like him at pretty much any of those unless uh, until Olympic club. Okay. Maybe. Eh, maybe it depends. I think how they're going to set it up, but possibly, but I think Augusta will always be live. I think any open championship will be live. And those are also the the two of them where as a guy ages, he still can be competitive. So I think his window, as far as getting more than two in this scenario is pretty long because I think he's just going to be very competitive at those places for a while. I like my concern though, with him is just like, we've seen over the last couple of years with speed. He's such a goddamn tinkerer that he hasn't been able to figure out how to get good balance as far as like, okay, he's going to work on his ball strike and then his putting goes to hell. And then he tries to get the putting back and then the ball striking goes to hell. It's like, like, can we just kind of sync everything up right now? Like right now, it seems like with speed, we're back to where we were in 2018 where he had the complete putting yips and, but right. he was hitting the ball great. So it's something he's got to match that up better. But I think I think he can do it ultimately, and I, I think he can actually get to get to at least five. So I, I'm going to take over on that one. You know, you bring up a really good point. I think why I like was leaning more towards under, and I've just basically come to terms with the fact that I need to throw the eye test out the window with Spieth. I thought he looked terrible leading up to Heritage and he ended up winning that tournament, right? So the thing that's interesting with Spieth, of all the 15 golfers on this list, Steve, if you were to tell me, pick one guy that's not in the top 100 in the world in a year from now, I would maybe pick Spieth. I think there's a universe where, I mean, we've seen it before, right? Like that's my concern with Spieth is like, I think that a guy like Rory, I mean, maybe Bryson's the right answer to that question. Um, but a guy like Rory or a DJ, you know, their floor is so inherently high and we've seen Spieth just like really lose it, like really, really lose it before. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen. I'm just saying of the 15 guys, I think he is the most volatile where there's probably going to be someone on this list, Steve, 
that we look back in 10 years time and we're like, man, I can't believe we talked about that guy. Like he's just completely irrelevant right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, can can you imagine somebody coming up to us and in, in our mentions about this podcast and we go over on Jordan Smith in ten years? So, somebody's going to do that. <laughs> but I, you know, I, 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 that's a very good point. The really bad ending for Spieth with all this tinkering is he becomes Padraig Harrington, mm. where you just tinker and tinker and tinker, and then all of a sudden he's doing Happy Gilmore drives, just trying to figure <laughs> things out. <laughs> that's definitely in the range of scenarios for him, but just taking things as is like, even like in the darkest of times, Spieth finished third at that at page, page. At right? Page, right. <laughs> like it, 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 that was awful. So if he can still do that and just have the duct tape together at some point, I think he's just going to peak for a couple of these. And like there, yeah. there, I think he's got a lot of chances, especially because he just at the masters, and the open, I, I think he's always going to be live, no matter really what form he's coming in with. Very fair. Let's talk about Brooks Kepka. He's 32 years old. He's got four majors. U.S. Open at Aaron Hills, 2017. U.S. Open at Shinnecock, 2018. PGA at Belle Reve, 2018. 2019 PGA at Beth Page. So he's got four majors. I put the over-under at 5.5. Okay. Lead us off. All right. Uh, this is gonna be my first hot take. Okay. Well, I mean, I had a couple. You think he's cooked, don't you? I th- I think I th- I don't think he's gonna win another major. Wow. Wow. I think he's had so many injuries, and just at some, and he's thirty two. Mm-hmm. At some point, like like that just takes a toll. And we're gonna talk about another guy who I'm gonna be concerned is gonna have the same thing happen to him too. Yep. I mean, how many times has he had his knee scoped or a hip injury or the wrist injury? He's had a lot of issues over the last couple of years. And I mean, not to mention too, like, it just seems like on Sundays at majors, the last couple of years, he's had opportunities. And like, you know, you can make the argument that, yeah, you're a volume shooter, the more opportunities you're going to get. He just hasn't looked like that same guy on Sundays. And I think between that and just, the injuries are piling up. Like, again, like I, I know we're recording this uh, Byron Nelson week. Yeah. And he and just we don't know what's going to happen, but he, he yeah. WD'd weirdly. I, I, I didn't see an explanation why. I don't know. It, it might be over for him as far as just like the stuff just kind of accumulates with his body and then he just can't do what he used to do. So I'm going to take the under on it. You make a compelling case, Steve. I think I went. This was the one, I mean, we got some hard ones coming up. I found this one really challenging. Let me make the case for over. I have okay. written down over, and yeah, I liked what you were talking about, about the injuries. I probably underrated that. By the way, quick question. What do you think about his swing? Like, I feel like he has a really like short, compact swing. Um, do you view that as like a negative or a positive? Like, it's hard to tell whether he's kind of exerting himself so much. He, he is, he's so balanced, if that makes sense. I don't know about that. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's a powerful swing. I mean, he swings really down on the ball too. I don't know if that really, yeah, maybe that's why he's had some wrist injuries because he's just hitting the turf so hard. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I haven't really thought about it from that respect. Uh, yeah. as far as like, if his swing is causing this stuff, it just, it might be. It could be. I mean, I know Brandel has been, you know, talking about how he's just like too big and like too bulked up. I mean, I'm not going down that street, but 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I never really considered the swing form. Maybe I'll have to uh, go to YouTube and uh, look for it. No, it's just a theory that you have me thinking about with the injuries. And, and you're so right about like what swings are going to age well and what swings aren't. I think that's something you have to consider with this conversation. The case for over is armchair psychologist, right? Mm-hmm. I think that he cares so much about these four tournaments. And maybe there's a universe kind of similar to the stage that Tiger is in right now where his entire schedule, I mean, you could already make the argument it's been this way for the past five years with him, but his entire schedule is centered around peaking for these four tournaments. Like even more exaggerate, you can say like a lot of guys like a Justin Thomas, a Xander Shoffley, like all of those guys are at the stage of their career where they have self-awareness on this stuff and they know it's about major championships they still fucking like give their all and have a full PGA tour schedule and like want to rack up wins on the PGA tour. Right. I could see Brooks. Like, I think he's already gotten there. Right. But I could see Brooks, even if, um, even if the health continues to be hit or miss with him. I mean, we see like, I'm done with the tiger thing. I think tiger could play four times a year for the next decade. Right. So, He's 32 years old. Do we have the cart before the horse like a little bit? Like he's going to have a lot of opportunity. Like he could win all these PGA championships. You know, we talk about the open too. I think he's a great fit at St. Andrews. Everyone was talking about Brooks, um, you know, at the masters this year and all these different things. And I was like, man, if you give me one for Brooks, I actually think it would be, uh, St. Andrews. And I do think there's some recency bias at play. He's been terrible. Uh, he just withdrew from the Byron Nelson. Going to be really interesting to see what happens at Southern Hills. Like he might be a super low ownership guy. We may look back and feel really stupid about this or, you know, the opposite. We'll see. Um, but I think the best case for Brooks is that he just takes his theory on these tournaments and revs it up into overdrive over the next decade plus. And he is just a guy, like you look at it, 52% major top 10 percentage over a large sample size. He's always there, even when he's not playing well. His form heading into last PGA was worse than it is this year, and he almost won. He was in the final group. So I think there's a universe where these are just his weeks, and we even see a more extreme version of it play out over the next couple of years. Like maybe there's a scenario where Brooks wins two more majors and no other PGA tour events. Like it's not inconceivable. No, it, it isn't. Uh, I mean, I, that's, that's a good take as far as maybe he just starts like even taking like a Steve Stricker type, uh, like schedule suits playing like, you know, a couple of like PGA tour events, just the four majors and then Phoenix and yeah. Right. I mean, I do agree with you, like kind of like with Rory, like there's a lot of golf courses on here that I would like him at. Like I, I, in, if he was healthy, I would like him in Southern Hills. I would like him in Valhalla. I would like him at probably Aronimic. Um, And he's been really good at the open as well. Typically been very good at Augusta too. So it just, it, this is just my gut call about how he's 32 years old and you know, just somebody, he's always seems like he's had like nagging injuries and I don't know. I just, I, I, no, I think, it's a good take. It's a fair yeah. take. It's a take to the point where I was like considering my take. I think your take is 
I don't want to say stronger. I think there's an argument for both, but you know, you're right. Like we talked about it with Spieth, if there's, if there's one candidate where, you know, you worry about like, is he just done? Like, you know, like there's a chance that Brooks isn't that guy anymore. There's a chance that DJ isn't that guy anymore. Right. Like you just, you don't actually know. Yeah, no, uh, Brooks's soul is somewhere, I think, on the 13th hole at Beth Page Black. Everybody started trying <laughs> DJ when he airmailed the green. But ever since then, on Sundays, it kind of just, you know. That's Kirshner's really take, too. Kirshner talks about how ever since that Sunday at Beth Page, Brooks is just a different guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I heard, I, I know our, our good friend Brian Kirshner is definitely on that block, and I kind of agree with him. <laughs> he just, just look at him, he just has it. So, yeah. I don't know. All right. I mean, I think we, uh, and we beat this one up a little bit. So, yeah. JT, um, I'll lead us off here. 29 years old. He's got one major, uh, the 2017 PGA at Quail Hollow. I set the over under at 3.5, Steve. And even as a huge JT fan, I think JT gets two more majors. I think JT finishes his career with three. I talked about this take a little bit in my Byron Nelson stuff. Like, you actually dive into it and it's like i think there's an argument that his game is better suited for easier courses than harder courses you don't generally think about that with a guy who's such a good ball striker but isn't a good putter but you look at majors and you know you can kind of make the argument that gt's really overachieved in these pga tour events like random pga tour events overseas and stuff like that with 14 wins but he's only top 10ing in under a quarter of the majors that he's played in over a pretty large sample size. He's still done absolutely nothing at the British, like absolutely nothing at the British. He's been okay at the U S open. Like, I think he's kind of underachieved a little bit at the U S open. I do think he's going to win a masters, especially with bones on the back. And I'm probably going to bet him at the masters every single year until he does it. I have the last two years, but my guess for JT is that he wins two more majors. And I wouldn't be surprised if both of them are masters. What say you? Okay. I mean, I think he's live at some of these PGA venues, like Valhalla, Aronovic. Like, like, like when I think about Justin Thomas, like even if like the PGA just kind of get a little harder, like that one, I feel like is the most robot golf of yeah. all of them. As far as just, okay, this is my line. Everything's in front of me. I just got to hit it here. Like there's obviously exceptions. I don't think Southern Hill is going to be like that, but like, you know, Valhalla quail, like, you know, even like, I know Gil Hans did a Ron and make, but just looking at some of the, that, how that golf course is kind of set up, like, unless they do something drastic with, I think the fairways, like it kind of looks like a FedEx cup, uh, golf course still yeah so you know i mean we'll see on that so i, I think pgas probably are still in play for him i think the masters are probably still in play for him but i think you nailed it on the head as far as like u.s opens like what's the only one he's really been good at it was aaron hills which was arguably one of the easier ones right 17 and, under yep and i'm looking at some of these other ones i mean i don't think brook lines can be very Easy. I don't think Lally Country Club is going to be very easy. I don't think Pioneer is going to be easy. Oakmont never is. Shindicock is never is. I mean, maybe Pebble, but you know, I think a lot of guys are going to play there. So I don't think he's going to be good for a U.S. Open. Same thing with Open Championship. Like those are the ones where it's stuff is going to go wrong, and I've never really trusted when just some things go wrong. Can GAT kind of hold it together? And I think he kind of nailed on the head that 
a lot of his wins have been on easier tracks that haven't challenged him. So I also went under. I had two as well. So we are finally back on the same page as far as JT. Yeah, I, I think, and I think we're going to look back because, like, man, how many majors have we gone into? It's like it's Justin Thomas week, Justin Thomas week. It feels like we go into everything other than the Open. I feel like we always say, well, Justin Thomas. It's like, like you may mention about Rory's like the most talented. I think we're holding Justin Thomas in the same esteem too, just because it's how great of a ball striker he is. Yeah. But man, like the fact he's had that few top tens, especially at US Opens when you feel like ball striking is just so important. Like, I I mean, I three is a big number just in general, I think for like right. just any golfer, but I feel like with him, it's like should have been way more. Right. You know, we'll move on to the next guy in a second, but like JT's the type of guy that I do think can win 10 more times on the PGA tour. And he's already got 14 of them. So if he finishes his career with three majors and 25 wins, he's like the 24th best golfer of all time. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, so it feels like we're kind of knocking JT, but like if he wins 10, he's 29 years old, probably will say he has 14 prime years left, 13 prime years left. If he wins 10 more times and two more majors, that's awesome. I mean, that's like you're putting yourself in the category, like you're almost up there with like VJ and like uh, Ernie, you know, it's a, it's a damn good career. And like JT as the 25th or 26th best golfer of all time, that feels right for him. That feels right for him. I don't think he's a six major guy. I don't think he's a five major guy, but I think three and 25 wins feels right for him. Yeah. Next guy, Hideki. He's 30 years old. He has one major win. It is the 2020 Masters over under 2.5. So does Hideki win two more majors? It's my turn, right? Or is it your turn? It's your turn. You lead us off. Okay, I'll lead us off. Um, so I originally was going to be pretty high at Hideki okay. when I was first doing this exercise. Did you think, what did you think the over under was going to be? Did you think it was going to be? I, th- I, th- I thought it was going to be t- one and a half more. So if he wins two more. Yeah. And that was about where I was going back and forth between one and two. Yeah. So I settled on under, and I think he's only going to win one more. Me too. So kind of like, it's not as extreme as Brooks, but like Hideki also has been kind of nicked up over the last couple of years too. He had that wrist injury a couple of years ago. He just had the neck injury too. And just some of the venues as well. I mean, I don't think he's going to win an open. I can't really recall a ton of us open success. Like I know he's got some top tens, but like other than I think Aaron Hills, when I think you runner up at Aaron Hills. Yeah. But he wasn't really in the mix though. He, no. had, he had a big Sunday, but I think he was, well back at Brooks. Like it seemed like it was Brooks, JT, Fleetwood, Harmon on Sunday. Brandon night. Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was that Chambers Bay? Well, that was Chambers know. Bay. And that was oh, there was one more he blew. He, oh, it was he, one of the open whistling, championships. Right? Wasn't he in the mix at whistling at one point too? Yeah, he you know, it was that one. It was an yeah. open. I think he was in the mix at a Baltus Raw, which seems like a simulation because that was like two weeks after that's <laughs> he right opened that weird year. But yeah, I, I'm not sure how much in the U.S. Open is going to set him up, but I think some of these PGA venues coming up, I, I like him a lot at Southern Hills next week. I think Valhalla's in play, Quell Hollow. I mean, he probably should have won that Quell Hollow one 
uh, back in 2017. I keep bringing up Aronimink. It feels like I, I think almost anyone with good ball striking is in play because I, I don't think – I think that's the one where I think the PGA is going to have maybe the most difficulty challenging people. Protecting Paul, Which actually yeah. maybe knocks Hideki. So, like, if the PGA is transitioned to, like, more of the harder style, you know, I, I think I kind of like Hideki there. And I, I, like, you know, I have followed Hideki a little bit at the Masters this year, like, even with the neck injury. Yeah, I just feel like any time Augusta is going to have one of those difficult, cold, windy, firm setups, I think he's going to be live there. So, yeah, I mean, there's a chance he might pick one up there. So, I think the Masters and PGA probably are his best bets. Um, I think you pick up one or two, but I, I think three, considering he's 30 years old, there have been some injury concerns might be a little much, especially just considering just the wealth of talent kind of with golf now. I think you nailed it. I don't have a ton to add. I have a similar take. I think he wins one more. You could talk me into two. I think once you win a Masters, we see a lot of repeat winners at Masters. Um, even just like last year, just like looking at at the, this year, I mean, just like what what's Carl Schwartzel doing top five, right? Like Danny, all these guys. Like I think, I think he's going to be there at future Masters a lot, and it wouldn't shock me if he wins another Masters. It wouldn't shock me if he wins another PGA. I don't think he's the level of player of some of the guys we just talked about. Like we're now starting to get into, he's got a 22% top 10 major percentage. He's almost missed more cuts at the open than he's made PGA. He's been excellent masters. He's been very, very good as well. But I think, you know, if Hideki's a guy with, he feels like a two major 15 win guy to me, which again, like we're talking about, a top 50 player of all time, right? That's, I think, the thing people forget. But I'm with you. I went with, uh, I went with under. Any else, anything else you want to add to Hideki or you want to, or you really No, I, I think on? you put it well. Like, I always kind of refer to these guys. Like, if I w- look at their Wikipedia page, like, what do I see? And I, I think yeah. I see two majors, maybe three at best for Hideki. Like, I don't see like the long laundry list, like, you know, like some of these guys that we might think have that potential. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good call. Bryson DeChambeau, he's 28 years old. He's got one major. It was the 2020 U.S. Open at Winged Foot. I'll go first. I set him at 2.5. So does Bryson win two more majors? This is, I'm going out on a limb here. I'm going to say, yeah. Here's my thing with Bryson. And I've always, I've always liked Bryson. I'm not like a Bryson guy. I don't like root for Bryson aggressively when I don't have money on him. But the thing that I noticed with Bryson is I look at a player, you know, you ask any of the players on the PGA tour. I know the fans like give Bryson a lot of shit because he doesn't have a ton of self-awareness. He does some cringy stuff, but you go to a driving range on the PGA tour and you ask the other players what they think of Bryson. And they're like, man, what this dude is doing is fucking unbelievable. Like it's incredibly innovative. I think he's obsessed and I think he has the, I don't think what he's got going on is going to work forever. I don't even know if it's going to work for the next five years. I don't know if it's going to work for the next five months, Steve. But I think there's something about Bryson that I just trust to reinvent himself and figure out a way to be relevant. I mean, he's the type of guy, Steve, that is going to want to probably play into his 50s. I just think he's so much of a fucking nerd and he loves golf so much. And he's an incredible putter too. 
I, he's an unbelievable putter of the all the guys that we just mentioned. Maybe Spieth, you can make an argument Bryson's the best putter of all of them. So I think Bryson's going to find a way. And if he keeps up the distance thing, I think he's in play at a lot of these PGAs coming up. You know, I'm sure PGA Frisco, Texas, wide open, bombers track from what I've heard. I think we, I don't think we have time to get into the masters with Bryson. That's like a whole other podcast. And I think you, we kind of differ on that one a little bit, but I think these setups with, um, with thick rough at the U S opens too, where they're just going to keep doing this. They're just going to keep making the rough super thick at, at Torrey pines and all these places. And I think there's a roadmap, um, for him. And I just, I trust him to just be obsessed about this fact. He's a historian of the game, Steve. Like he loves Ben Hogan and all this shit. Like I just, I'm sold. I'm sold on it. I'm sold on it. And he could get injured tomorrow and never play a competitive round of golf. And I wouldn't be surprised either. Okay. Well, I think that's the angle I took as (laughs) far as, so I, I only have the information at my disposal today. Now, if Bryson makes some changes to his physique, maybe how he approaches the game, I think I would be a little more amenable. But as I'm sitting here right now, we are sitting here with a large man who probably should not have that much weight on that frame. And he has a torn labrum. He has a wrist injury right now. And, you know, you kind of hear, like, I, I think about, like, sometimes with, like, football players where, like, sometimes you have this, like, running back who has a lot of agility. You know, he's quick. But, you know, the coaches want to add him to add, like, 15, 20 pounds of muscles. And, you know, for the first year it works. And then just because he just wasn't – God didn't build him that way to hold that much weight on the frame, he ends up getting injured. And I'm a little concerned that maybe that might be – the start of things right now where Bryson yeah. is as far as like with the hip and the, the wrist, didn't he have, I think he might've had a little bit of a back injury too, like at Tory, like he had a lot of stuff going on at Tory. So, and, and I, I think there's that angle of it. I think, I mean, we do differ on Augusta. I'm, I'm not sold. He's going to win there after walking the property. Um, some of these U S open setups to, I don't think he's in play at Brookline. I don't think he's in play at Pinehurst. I, I Oakmont, he's in play. And if he's still healthy, wing foot again. Shinnecott, you know, maybe. Maybe. I think what I'm concerned there with, like, there's a lot of really tight lies around the green, though, and that's never really been. Yeah, his I've chipping's like, with. as we stand here now, his chipping's been horrendous. Right. I mean, that's, that, we're going to talk about another horrendous chipper later. But, right. like, and I think, like, and our good buddy Jeff Nagel kind of, gave a very great theory about Bryson is that like anytime he's on these, you know, golf course with some uneven lies, I think the single length irons kind of give him a little bit of trouble because like, yes, you know, it's one thing take. to just beat balls on a range with a track man and a flat lie. Like, okay, I know what my ball speed is. I know what my launch angle is, all that stuff. But when he's got the single length irons, he's got to figure out, okay, where exactly I take it back. And if you have an uneven lie, then he's got to compensate for that. So now he's actually playing golf swing and not golf. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I think, I think some of these, I think you're right. I think the PGA would be, I think I see that range of Valhalla, Quail, Ron, and McFrisco. I think that's a good range for him there. I I mean, obviously he's hurt for Southern Hills. I don't like him there. I don't like him for Oak Hill. Although I'm interested in seeing because he is on record saying that, um, you know, he can rip up Donald Ross golf courses after what he did with Detroit Golf Club. Yeah. So I'm, I am 
There's also a universe where we don't get wind at St. Andrews and he wins that golf tournament. At that is year. also true as well, but he's got to be healthy for it though. And yeah. as of this point, I think St. Andrews, they like putting it in every five years. So the next open spot, 2026 is possibly, the yeah. and there's a couple other like Carnoustie, Burkdale, Litham. Those aren't on the, the radar right now. Those guys get slotted. So yeah, I think as of right now, I think he'll win one PGA, but I am concerned with how he is approaching the game. And I, th- I think you alluded to it. I don't think what he's doing is sustainable for the long term. And just with how golf equipment kind of is now, I don't think he needs to be this big in order to get it out that, that long. Like you see some guys that like there are ways in order to basically get your club head speed up without gaining 50, 60 pounds of muscle. Like you can do that now. And it might be better for him to scale back a little bit on the weight, maybe try and find other ways to get club head speed. Yeah. I think he's realized that a little bit, right? He's not as big as he was a year ago. He is. And he's still pretty big though. So, you know, don't go back to like what he was, but I, I think there's, I think there's other ways for him to hit the ball far without having, without going the direction he's gone in. So I think that's my concern with him long-term, short-term. I think there's definitely some venues he can win at. Um, I just question just, you know, his health a little bit. Very fair. He also has a 9% major top 10 percentage. So thus far, and it's a decently large sample size. It's 11, it's over 20 majors. He hasn't really done a ton. He has, he's got that one win and that's really been his only kind of real contending performance. So we'll see. We'll see with Bryson. I think he's a fascinating one. Cam Smith, 28 years old. He's got zero majors over under 1.5. Leave us off, Steve. Okay. I mean, I, th- I think Cam Smith is playing great right now. I, I, and yeah. I think what's going on with him is like the reason why he's been so great is, you know, he's always had the scramble. He's always had the putting, but the iron play has been so good. That's been the so really good. big improvement over the last couple of years and why he's been, you know, translating some like, you know, top tens and stuff to some wins or being a contender and everything like that. I think once we, you know, we're just, I think a couple of things with him, number one is, you know, he is going to regress from what he is right now. It's not always going to be like this. So, you know, there's that to consider. Number two, the off the tee thing. I know he's done some work with it, but that's, that's a huge liability. And some the of these big places, left like, mess, Steve, yeah. that is a, that is so you want, are you talk here? Listen to these guys talk about eliminating the left side of the golf course, mm-hmm. the big left mess that cam Smith has. And we even saw it down the stretch at the masters. It's problematic. It's crippling. Like, yeah. and, and you have that when you have that, you know, maybe one, two, three times a tournament and that turns into doubles. Like there's such a fine margin between winning and not. And while like that can be top tens, if that comes at the wrong time, it's just, that's the difference. And I really think it's some of these major venues, like at Augusta, he has to clean that up. Like he's going to, he will probably contend because he's a great scrambler, great putter. Yeah, He knows the golf course, but man, he's got to, clean that stuff up. There's a couple other PGAs like PGAs. I don't really think are for him just based on some of these courses that are coming up. 
Only um, one, tw- only one top twenty-five and six starts there. Right. I think some. I think Pinehurst might be a good one for him if it plays pretty firm. Yeah, you know, I, I, I could that, see Pebble too. Yeah, Pebble as well. What about Shinnecock if that plays yeah. pretty firm? Yeah, yeah. So, I could so see I, it. I think there's a. I think there's a realm for him at some of these U.S. Open venues that aren't just like the narrow thick rough like that stuff i think there's an avenue for them i think he could be live at some open championships too i'm not quite sure why he hasn't been as good but i think how his game is right now as far as how the irons are he can be better but i just think overall just with how talented of you know the field of golfers are and plus right considering like guys who are like 15 14 right now we're going to be awesome in like you know six seven eight nine ten years who are going to give him trouble too so i only want with one, I think he can get one, but I think that's it. I like, I think he might end up just being this one and done guy and have a lot of close calls, but I, I don't see him being a multiple uh, time major winner. I'm with you. I agree. I think it's under, I think he wins either a masters or an open championship. I think there's a case for two because I think Cam Smith is really good at getting the most out of his good weeks. I think he's a ceiling golfer. And I like the fact that he is capable of gaining 14 strokes putting. You know what I mean? I I think that's really dangerous in terms of there's going to be a lot of instances where I could see Cam Smith having like a really bad slump and maybe not being a top 50 player in the world. But because he's one of those guys that has such a high ceiling with his putter, I think he's dangerous to win a lot. But, you know, again, we're talking about I have this list pulled up next to me of I I have like a long-term pyramid of the greatest golfers of all time. It's real. I don't even want to get into it because it's even for you, like I think you'd be like, dude, you are such a nerd with this stuff. But if Cam Smith wins like 15 times, I think he's got five of them. He's 28 years old, so he's young. So if he wins seven, eight more times in another major, it's like you're at Davis Love's career. You're at Retief Goose's career. Like you're at like He's a, I, I don't think he's a top 50 golfer of all time. I think he's a really, really good player, but one feels about right to me. Yeah. And by the way, I think you underestimate how big of a nerd I am. So <laughs> if you want to send that my way, I would love to just go through it. <laughs> let's talk about Patrick Cantlay. Oh, let's uh, talk about Cantlay. Okay. So <sighs> 1.5. He's got zero majors. He's got zero majors. He's 30 years old. I have him at 1.5. It's my turn, right? Yes, it is. Over. Starting next okay. week. Um, okay. I just like his game. I like his game for majors. I like his game for Augusta. I like his game for US Opens. He's plenty long off the tee. He has the putting upside that we just talked about with Bryson and Cam Smith where he can go unconscious. I mean, he still has, I think, the record for the best putting week in the strokes gain era at Caves Valley when we all had Bryson and he gained like 15 strokes strokes putting. I like his demeanor. I think he's a sneaky good interview. I think he's a sneaky smart guy. I think he has a lot of self-awareness. I trust his... I know he hasn't done it yet. He's played in... Yeah, 20 majors, and he's two top tens, two of them. I'm just, I, I, I just see it with him. I think, he's a, I think he's a damn good player. 
And I think he's a killer. And I, I think he, I don't think he's a top 40, top 30 guy of all time, but I think he is 18 wins, two majors, which again, we're talking Sandy Weil, Tony Jacklin, mm-hmm. Johnny Miller, right? Like basically John, John Daly. Sure. There you go. <laughs> Marco Mira. I think that I think he's good enough. I think he, Ben Crenshaw. I think he's I think he is as good as those guys. So I'm going over with Cantley. I feel I sense an under coming. It's going to be under. Okay. So I mean, listen. This is this conversation is completely moot point because this is going to come out to the the Southern Hills. I I think what it concerns me and the and actually was good for Patrick Cantley is his track record teed green on Bermuda golf course, like not like Bermuda greens, like actually hitting off of Bermuda is mm-hmm. not great. And yeah. that's a little bit of a concern for me, but that's a, that's a different story. And most of these golf courses, as we're going to talk about with the next guy we're on this list are mostly bent grass and Northern strings, which is going to be good for him. What concerns me with Cantley is like, if you look at his record on, difficult scoring conditions just in general on the pga tour too it's not great like where he succeeded is not necessarily like the birdie fest but like some of the more plotter smaller tracks and i'm not die hair yeah like i'm not quite sure if that's really what he's comfortable doing like and that's the only place because i don't believe that i think he's talented enough but I think we're starting to get to a point with him where, I mean, he is 30 years old and he does have a history of some back injuries and he does have a track record so far of not being tremendous in hard scoring additions. I think the lone exception was, I mean, he finished, I think, top five at Beth Page. The top 10 at the Masters was, he was 2019. And that was a year. very, and he very was there. scoring he, Masters. He had the lead, though. He did. He yeah. did. But that, I'm just saying like that was an easier scoring master. Right. So I feel like he needs those type of conditions. Now, looking down the line, I mean, I think at an Augusta that might play a little easier. I'm just basing off his track record. I mean, we will get those at some point, maybe next year. He could be live there. I think at a I mean, I think he might be if the weather is good in St. Andrews, I think he could be very live there, too. I kind of yeah. like him there. I think he can be live at Oak Hill. That seems like more of a shorter plotter course for him. Aronimink, I think, might play a little easier as well. He could be live there. Some of these U.S. Open venues, though, I don't love that other than Pebble. So I feel like his path is maybe a little narrower. And considering he's 30, I I think he's only going to get one. So I'm going to go under on that. Fair take. Fair take. What's uh, the moment everyone's been waiting for? Xander Shoffley, over under 1.5 majors. Mm-hmm. He's 28 years old. Uh, he's played in 19 majors. He's finished in the top 10 of nine of them. It's your turn. Okay. Yeah, I want you to go first, Gary. <laughs> 1.5. Um, Let me ask you a question real quick. What did you think my over-under was going to be on him? Seven? <laughs> you know, honestly, I thought you were going to go the other way and go 0.5. I thought you were going to actually put us to a decision. I am, I am pretty down on him it. right now. Yeah. I know you are. Yeah. I I don't know. Do I need like a little bit of a pep talk with you and Jeff? 
You know, make the week. case right now. Are you going over? I think he's going to get one. He's twenty. Well, I put him at one point five. Oh, I'm sorry. Then yes, under. My apologies. Okay. Yep. Uh, yes, I am going to go under. I think he's going to get one. Uh, we do have a lot of bent grass golf courses coming down the pipe. You got Southern Hills, Aronimic, Brookline, Valhalla, Olympic Club, Baltstraw, Marion, Oak Hill. Uh, you got some polo golf courses too. You got Pebble, I and mean, he played pretty well there too. You know, it just it, it seems like with him. He's down for right now, but it's not always going to be there. And he just is very solid, consistent in so many parts parts of his game that I just, and especially at the, you know, he's always going to be live at Augusta. I think some of these is the PGA really is becoming more of a harder step, which you know he hasn't had the greatest track record in those. But if those are going to become a little more harder, I think that favors Xander. But again, just you know, I, I while I think he's going to get one. It just there's a lot of really talented golfers that he's got to contend with, you know, not just with this list, but just with guys who are just going to end up coming up, you know. So I'm going to say just the one, and I'm going to take the under. I went under two. Put it okay. this way: if he go, if he finishes with two, like I would sign for that as a mm-hmm. Xander Shoffley fan. And you told me 10, 15 years from now, two majors, I would absolutely sign for that. There's a case for over based on the fact that he's just going to continue to give himself a ton of opportunities. He's played in five U.S. Opens. He's finished in the top 10 every single time. I think the only other guy to do that is Ben Hogan or maybe Bobby Jones. I can't. It's one of those guys. But he almost won a British Open at Carnoustie. Like I think people forget he was right there. He was either tied for the lead or won back on 17 and that par three, he hit a bad iron shot and made like bogey on the second to last hole. Obviously he had a chance at the mat. He's had multiple chances at the masters actually. I don't know. I just, I am down on him right now. I don't, I think the tinkering thing is kind of in my head. I don't like that. It seems like, like I just heard this story about him at the Masters where he was like on this computer on the putting green like on Wednesday afternoon and it's like that's like if Steph Curry the night before game 7 of the NBA finals had like a free throw shooting doctor with like a with like a computer out it's just like dude it's Wednesday before the fucking Masters like I don't want to see a computer out right now on the putting green And I'm very self-aware about Xander's limitations as a golfer and his ceiling. I have this top 75 list written up there. You know, Xander feels like a decent comp for him. Could be a Davis love, which is an incredible career. He'd have to get busy for that though. Davis love won 20 times in one major, maybe a Dave Graham two two majors, nine wins, Fuzzy Zeller, 10 wins, two majors, Dave Stockton, 10 wins, two majors, right? Like Curtis Strange, 17 wins, two majors. What about like a Corey Pavin? He won once. Yeah. I think Pavin's got, Pavin didn't make my list. Okay. So yeah, I think one feels right. And I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities and I just know as a Knicks fan and as a Xander fan, I'm just, I'm going to have a lot of heartbreak, but. Can I give you a story about Xander from the Masters? 
Please. That was on the ground and watched him. So uh, unbeknownst to me, when you started saying that he was undergoing maybe a swing change to add, I what a fade, I think. Yeah. So I Which has been debunked, by the way, by his caddy firsthand. Okay. Well, you know, we'll see. But I do know that it he clearly didn't have the swing that week. Uh, I was behind the second green on Friday, and he just, I think, putted out for par. And he was taking his putter. And doing air swings, and usually when I'm you're doing talking air, about Steve, when you're doing air swings with your putter, that ain't good. So I, I knew at that point, like, oh boy, he's missing the cut, and I think he he missed it. Uh, maybe on a number, but no, it, no, he missed it by like three or four. It was he bad. just he didn't have it that week. So I don't. It's not always going to be like this, though. Okay, like it's you're you're not very far away from almost winning the Masters. And you got all those U.S. Opens. I'm looking at all these U.S. Open setups right now. I don't really see a single one I don't like him at. Me too. So that's good. You mentioned Carnoustie. And what was the conditions that week? It was firm, fast. You know, we haven't had one of those in a while. Uh, Portrush was pretty soft. Royal St. George, that was soft and kind of easy. We're going to get one of those at some point too. Maybe he can attend. I think he's got more opportunity than maybe – you know, you think, I, and just if he keeps putting himself in a position at some point, he's going to break through. So hang in there, buddy. Let's talk about Victor Hovland. Okay. Let's definitely talk about Hovland. Okay. This might be my hot. This might be one of my hotter takes. Okay. Is it? Yeah. I think it's my turn, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, First on Xander. Mm-hmm. Hovland's 24 years old. He's never won a major. He's never had a top 10 in a major. He's only played nine majors. I put the over at 2.5 and I have him under. And I think there are a lot of people that think that Hovland is capable of winning like six majors. And is he? Yeah, dude, come on. There is a Hovland cult. I know. I know there is. Six is a lot. Okay. I know. But listen, we're talking young Rory here is what everyone says about Hovland, which mm-hmm. uh, by the way, I don't think that's a fair comparison whatsoever because at 24, didn't Rory have like two majors? <laughs> yeah. And I think Rory had a short game too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to make the case. Um, okay. I'm oh, you the- are sadly mistaken. I have a story for you. After yeah. I have, a, I, I think he's cooked at these places. I, I were before Southern Hills, so I'm putting myself on the line here to look really stupid. I'm out until he gets this figured out. Like I, I keep going back to this JT interview where um, they asked him what he's, what the most important part of major championships was, and he said short game. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting because that wouldn't have been my first answer. I don't think it would have been a lot of people's first answer. I think a lot of people would say iron play. And JT was like short game. And I'm going to give you something unquantifiable too. I don't know if he plays smart golf all the time. Like I watched some of the shots that he hit, like coming down the stretch. I can't remember whether I remember it was the PGA championship last year at Kiowa. And it was his first time really playing a Pete Dye. And he kind of debunked this working theory that I have that he wasn't going to be good at Pete Dye based on playing well at the players. But I remember watching him just like, dude, there's like pot bunkers in the middle of the fairway. You have to like maybe take uh, some strategy into play here. And I think the architecture 
it's not TrackMan golf at a lot of these places. And I think the architecture at some of these major championships is it's different. It's interesting. Certainly at Southern Hills is interesting architecture. It's very strategic golf. This isn't me saying Hovland's like a dumb guy. I hope people understand that. It's just me saying, I don't know if he's figured out that part of golf that again, you can have talent till you're blue in the face. The reason why Tiger was Tiger and he'll be the first to tell you was because he figured out the other side of golf. And I don't know if Hovland has figured that out yet. And he's got the worst fucking short game on the PGA tour. So listen, he could make us look really stupid. I think he has a really high ceiling, like a really high ceiling, but I'm going under. And by the way, two majors is a damn good career, right? Like if Hovland wins two majors and 15 wins or something like that, like that's a damn good career, but I'm going under. Okay. Now let me tell you my master story because okay. I, uh, so I spent some time on Saturday, um, by the uh, practice green. And there was a bunch of guys out there practicing bunker shots. You had Horschel out there, he's Swafford. Adam Scott was, he got, he put himself in a bunker, I think like 25 yards from, from a green and was just hitting like, st- you know, bunker shots to like five feet, just effortless. And I wouldn't even call him a great scrambler anymore just because of, you know, some of the stats. But, and then Victor Hoblin comes up and I'm like, all right, I got to see like what's wrong because he has been <laughs> so bad out of a bunker. He cost me a Bay Hill with his bunker play too. And, I was like, all right, I just, I, I'm just going to watch this guy. And he looks so robotic, so uncomfortable. He's got his coach right behind him to like, yeah. you know, talking to him. But like, I think the closest, and this was not like where he was and where the pin was on this practice. It wasn't a very difficult bunker shot. It just, it's deficient. It's not acceptable. I think the closest he got was maybe like three or four feet and everything else was either, you know, he'd hang it on the lip, he'd leave it in the bunker, he'd let it run mm-hmm. by. And like, you know, I, I, it's interesting you say that with Justin Thomas when he said like, you know, short game is what matters most. I think it's because, you know, when you get these major venues, I mean, the green and regulation rate is going to go down for everybody. Yeah, 50%. And you got to learn places. how to save strokes at some point. And a lot of people do it with short game. And that's why at Augusta National, until he fixes that short game, he's never winning there. Uh, a lot of these venues, too, where, you know, you're not hitting greens as a high of a rate, but if you're off the green where it's manageable, some places with, like, tight lies, like, tricky bunkers, where, yeah, you can still get up and down, but it's the places, it's the ones who can't do that. They fall behind. And he's not going to be able to hit every green in order to make up the di- difference. So a lot of those venues I don't like him at open championships. I'm not sure if I like him there either. I think where Hovland is going to, if he's going to win, it's going to be at a place kind of like what we saw at Bay Hill this year, where it's just impossible for anyone to get up and down yeah. and no one's hitting green. It's like kind of like winged foot because Bryson did not have a great short game either. And he still ended up winning like Matthew yeah. Wolf didn't either. And they were the top two just because, you know, they hit, a lot of greens because they had a lot, you know, they had a lot of distance here. They had a lot of fairways. No one was hitting fairways. No one hitting greens. No one was getting up and down. So some of those venues are kind of like that. Um, you know, Quail had kind of low scrambling rates and green regulation rates back in 2017. That could be one. He's had success there. That might be a PGA he picks up. Uh, Oakmont was similar. That's kind of got deep rough and like firm greens that had low scrambling rates. Wingfoot again, 
But otherwise, though, like you nailed it right on the head. Like if he does not clean up that short game deficiency, he's not winning. He's like top 10 at a whole lot of places. He might show well, but, you know, there's going to be situations where he needs to get up and down and he can't do it. And that's the difference between winning and losing. So, I mean, just because he's 24, maybe one, but Mm – I'm not going any more than that until he fixes fixes that. Your uh, 2022 PGA Championship winner, Victor Hovland, at Sunday. God, this is going to look awful. After look so we might have to edit this out. I know. Scotty Scheffler, he's 25 years old, Steve. He just won the Masters. He's got one major win. He's, what did I put it at? 3.5. Okay. You first. Uh, me first? Yeah. That's a fair number um, because unlike the guy we just talked about, I think Scheffler's got a lot of tools in his arsenal. 50% major top 10 percentage in 10 majors. A lot of majors, a lot of ways he can score, a lot of ways he can save strokes. Uh, Good putter, pretty good iron player, good off the tee. He's got some length as well. Good ability to, you know, scramble as well. And, you know, he's won in some big boy golf courses recently. I mean, it's, like kind of like what I mentioned with Cam Smith, this is not going to last forever. He's on a big heater, but he's a great player in his own right. And there's a lot of things he can do really well. You know, four majors is just a lot. I, I'm going to take the under again. I, I feel like I'm taking a ton of unders, but I'm going to take the under on it too, just because just four is a lot. And just looking at some of the guys who made that, you know, got to four, like, you know, there's a lot of really good players, and I'm not saying that Scheffler isn't, but I just think there's a lot of really good players. And right. I think with at the professional game right now, with the equipment that they're all using, where it's not like it was back in like the 70s and 80s and 90s, where if you're a little bit off center, the ball's going to go careening somewhere else. And a lot of these guys, even if you hit it off the toe, it's going to go straight in 300 yards. And it just, I feel like for the professional game with what these guys are working with, you know, at least some of their margins for error a little bit with that stuff is a little bigger and there's just more guys to compete and there's a lot of really good players. And I think just four is a lot considering a lot of the competition. So I think if he gets the three, that's an outstanding career, obviously. Um, so I think I'm just going to go with a, a little bit under uh, with three. I'm under as well. And I originally had this at 2.5 and I psyched myself out because I just feel like it's prisoner of the moment. Yes, I get it. But I just feel like we keep doubting this guy. And it's like, I'm just like, even thinking about it now, like, I don't even think he's going to be, I don't think anyone's going to pick him at Southern Hills, right? No one's picking him at the bar. And it's just like, at what point do you start to say like, okay, we got to give this dude a little bit more respect. So I acknowledge that 3.5 was kind of a high number. I mean, he's 25 years old. He's really young and all he's done has been awesome at major championships. And he's also the type of guy that we talked about. He's kind of the inverse of our concerns with Xander and even Hovland. You were talking about a little bit out of the bunkers. Like he's just a feel player. And I, I think he's the type of guy that I don't think he's going to think too much at a lot of these places. I think he's got a little DJ in him. And I think he, I don't think he's the type of guy either that is ever going to get too big for himself. Like you listen to some of the stuff he was talking about after the masters. And it's like, he kind of just likes to watch the office and hang out with his wife and play golf. 
Like, I don't, I don't think he's ever, and you've heard Rory talk about this too, where Rory is like, suddenly you're an ambassador for the game and you're an international star and you have all these brand and your life gets bigger. And it's like, things just change. And I think Scotty's always going to stay really close to golf because I think he just, I think he loves playing golf. He's won like, as even as a junior, he won like 75% of the junior tournaments he's played on. And I think winning is a skill. Um, and I think Scheffler just kind of, I think he has it. I think he, who has a better career, Hovland or Scheffler? Oh, Scheffler. Me too. People would say Hovland and people would say we're being a prisoner of the moment right now. But I think it's Scheffler too. Mm-hmm. No, he's, got I, a, he's got an amazing short game, by the way. Yeah, he does. And I, I think that's just, he. I feel like he has, because, you know, like it's over the course of four rounds, something is going to go wrong. And I feel like, if the ball strike is a little off with Hovland, there's nothing really saving him. With Scheffler, he can ham and egg it. And I'm more confident with a guy like that. And I think that's going to end up winning more. And I think even in this early, his career right now, like I know it took him a while to win, but like as far as like, you know, good finishes and being up there in the mix, like Scheffler has just been better than Hovland. I mean, Hovland's win have come on two past Palm golf courses, uh, the BMW Euro tournament, and then um, the Abu Dhabi, I think. So mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for him to actually do something on like a legit field. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I, I would take Scotty's career at this point. If, they, if, if we're resetting to zero right now for everybody, I think Scotty is going to beat Hovland at the end of the day when we look back on them in like 20 years. Not to step on who we're going to get in a second. You think he beats Morikawa? If we're starting no. at zero right now, yeah. I don't think so. I think Morikawa is. I think he. We we'll can do it that. now. We'll no, that. we can. We can do it now. All right, there's, let's do Morikawa. There's, there's three more guys, and we can go out of order. I was going to do one more guy, Morikawa, and then the last guy. But let's do Morikawa now. He's 25 years old. Um, he's won two majors. He won the PGA at Harding Park in 2020, and he won the 2021 British Open at Royal St. George's. He's played in nine majors. He's finished top 10 in five of them. He has finished top five in all of the majors. I set him at 4.5, and I'm going over. (laughs) Okay. Um, Five majors is a lot, and I have this list up in front of me of the guys that have won more than that have won five or more majors. We're talking Peter Thompson, Seve, Byron Nelson, Phil, Tom Watson, Gene Sarazen, Arnold Palmer, Sam Sneed, Walter Hagen, uh, Gary Player, Ben Hogan, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas. So I don't take five majors lightly. And I don't think he's going to win as many of those guys, by the way. Like a lot of those guys have upwards of 40 wins. I don't think that that's necessarily possible in this day and age. No, it isn't. Now, now with the equipment these guys are playing with and the competition, I mean, back then, like when Sarah's and everything were winning, like a lot of the guys are competing with were dentists. Not, not great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay. So the case is that he is actually of all the players that we've talked about. He is actually on pace to be an all time. Great. Like to have, two under his belt at 25 is pretty crazy. 
I mean, he's he's played in nine majors and he's won two of them. And I just think with Morikawa, I think he is the ultimate cheat code in terms of um, length. I think he is the one player where even if you want to take the stance of length is going to continue to increase on the PGA Tour. By the way, Colin Morikawa is not short. Like some of these guys like Spieth and Morikawa – they get called short because they're not Hovland or Rory or Brooks. Like Morikawa is fine in terms of like, he's, we're not, he's not Ryan armor off the tee, but yes, I think when did like two ninety eight off the box becomes short. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the reason why I think Morikawa is going to win five majors, because I think at the end of the day, Steve, there's a pretty good bet that like, Someone's going to go way over these totals and one guy from this generation maybe is going to finish with five and a lot of guys are going to finish with way less than we think. And the reason why I would pick Morikawa is because I just think the irons are such a cheat code. And I think if you're asking for any single one skill in a golfer, if you just could have one, just one and forget everything else, it's iron play. And he is the greatest iron player since Tiger Woods. And I think the length thing doesn't matter because, I mean, he's almost won at Torrey Pines. The Masters is a really long course, too. I think he's going to be fine at the Masters. The reason why it's fine for Morikawa is that his five irons more accurate than most guys' eight and nine irons. And he's already on such a good pace that I just think Morikawa's 25 years old. He doesn't really seem to get hurt. He's got a very slow and repeatable swing. His head's in the right place. He cares about golf. He loves golf. He's a nerd. He's competitive as hell. He's a killer. You know, you get afraid when he's in the mix down the stretch. He's probably the closest thing that we've had to Tiger in the sense that like, oh, Colin coming, right? Like when he's there, like he will, he'll step on your throat. Um, and he's a volatile putter. Uh, so I think Colin Morikawa is probably the best bet of all of these players. He would be my pick to win five majors and finish his career of the active guys as like a top 15, top 10 guy. Good case. Funny. That's a great case. Actually, you just gave me a little bit of PTSD because I remember when I was uh, I was holding the Lima ticket at Riviera and Morikawa was making the charts. I was like, oh, God. This <laughs> Anyone is gonna- but him, right? But yeah, I, I have way with, but Morikawa was coming. You were right. And I was just pacing in my room. My wife's like, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm like, this is going to end very poorly for you today because <laughs> Collins were a snatcher for me. Uh, no, you made an excellent case. I, I think what I'm going to add too is you talked about how his head's in the right place. And there was an interview he did, I think, with No Lang Up where, you know, like, like people are told when they go to Augusta National, you got to hit a draw, you know, and that's, you know, he hits a fade. And the first couple times he went there, he tried to hit a draw. And finally, he just realized that I'm comfortable with my own game, that I can just hit whatever shot I want. And I know it's going to come through. I believe myself. I have faith in myself. And he went in with that attitude this year and he finished fourth or whatever it did. It was it was a top five finish. He played great. And I love that he's just comfortable with who he is. I don't worry about him ever trying to chase distance. Right. I don't Great worry point. about him ever trying to tinker. I think he just knows that this is what I got. This is what God gave you my talents here. And then I can win any fucking golf course I go to. 
And so I think that's why it's going to go over. I think he's going to win a Masters. I think a lot of these U.S. Open venues, even if it's perceived like to be a bomber track, I think he's live there. Uh, I think it's some of these PGA venues too. I think at Oak Hill, definitely live there. Olympic Club, live as well. Um, maybe not Quahel, but Valhalla. I mean, if you want to go with the Jack Nicholas, you know, thing yeah. with him, loves his Nicholas golf courses. That's a Nicholas as well. I mean, he showed he can win an open. So why not there too? Like, I think he's got a lot of opportunities and I think he's going to get to at least five. So I, I'm definitely taking the over on that. If we're picking nits, I would like his short game to get a little bit better. That is true. Is that fair? I mean, I get it. it's like, mm-hmm. well, you don't have to use your short game if you hit every green in regulation. Like, yeah, I, like I that, mean, but we're picking nits, and he's won two majors even without like a great short game. Right. Yeah, and it's not Hovland bad either. Right. It, it's 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 about two or average. Like, there's been times I've seen him like when I've been doing like my trending miles and stuff like that. Like, he's been positive. Like, it's. It, I, I think recently it was a disaster, but it was a couple tournaments. But like yeah. overall in his career, it's not, it's not terrible. And like, look, like if like we, I remember when he was at Riviera and he was getting up and down from everywhere. And if you can chip at Riviera and get out Bunkers Riviera, you can do it anywhere. So I, I, I'm not concerned about his short game. I think when he needs it, he can definitely, you know, get up and down under pressure. We got two more, Steve. John Rahm, he's 27 years old. He's got one uh, major, the U.S. Open. I think if John Rahm was setting the over-under, he'd set it at like 18.5, right? Did you hear that quote? Like he's not stopping till he gets 20? No, I didn't actually. Okay. Well, uh, I, um, I was a little bit more tempered in my expectations, but I still gave him a lot of respect. I, I, I have 3.5 for John Rom in my opinion, and I want you to lead us off. Okay. So we talk about at the top of the show with Dustin Johnson about the long fluid backswing, how that promotes careers. Well, John Rom is the opposite, mm. the short backswing, and those typically don't really age well. So even though he's 27 years old, you know, his window is maybe a little shorter than most, you know, no pun intended. <laughs> so I went under, I, okay. I, I think, I think just that is a little bit concerning. I think just, and maybe it's just because I've become closer friends with you and Jeff Nagel over the last year that like, <laughs> I'm just now so biased to just, you know, just repel at anything of the notion that John Rahm can be a great <laughs> golfer and the best of all time. And, but, you know, I like, I, you know, I mean, like, He's not going to play Torrey Pines all the time. Not going to get that golf course. I don't think he's ever going to win an Open Championship. Some of these U.S. Open setups. I mean, I don't love it at Brook. I don't love it at the next three. Oakmont, maybe. I don't think I like him at Shinnecock or Pebble. Wingfoot, maybe. There's only two there. I kind of like him in some of the PGA setups because I feel like it's just hard and just right yeah. in front of you. You know, I mean, he's good at the Masters, but he's never really contended at the Masters. So, you know, I, I don't love his chances at two of the four majors, and I don't feel like the swing is really going to age all that great. So I'm going to take the under on that. I think John Rom wins three majors. Three total? Th- okay. Yeah, I think. I think that's very fair, man. I think that's a damn good career. I think a lot of I think a lot of people would make the case that of all the players that we just mentioned, Rom is the 
best bet to finish the day with the most. Um, and I understand that argument. I could make a case for over. And, you know, I think, I think I've been very fair about Rom. <laughs> honestly, like I think a lot of on the record you have been, but I've had some conversations. Okay. Uh, yes, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But a lot of my criticism of Rom is really nothing to do with his golf game and more to do with how he behaves on the golf course. And, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you another thing. Like, um, my buddy, Chris powers came on the week after the masters and we were kind of giving masters takes and his hot take was, I don't think Rom ever wins a masters. And it, and it was, and his, the reason why he said that was, and I agree with him. I thought the mud ball comment was fucking reprehensible. I don't think there's another player on this fucking list that says that Steve, I just, the lack of accountability there. I, it's, it's insane to me. I mean, other than Bryson, thinks, I mean, Bryson, fair, great point, great point, great point, Bryson, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, I just want, like, <laughs> I'm stealing this take a little bit from no Wang up. Cause they've said this before too, but like the way that John Rom looks confused when he misses a putt, it's like, the, if you actually like watch his emotions, the way he miss when he misses a putt, it's like, dude, do you like, how long have you been playing golf? Like, do you realize that like, they're not all going to go in? And I think you could spin that to, I think a good thing is that he has really high expectations for himself. And I do think that Rom overall has his head in the right place. Like, I do think that he cares about the right things for all intents and purposes. Uh, I think he's probably great off the course from everything I've heard. Um, I love his interviews. I think he is a smart and well-spoken guy. He is a student of the game. I think he understands golf really well. And I think the inverse argument about the swing is, well, the shorter the swing, the more repeatable it is. And that's why I think you see John Rahm have such a high floor. Like John Rahm, out of all these players, you got to, if we're talking major top tens, you got to probably put his over under at the highest of any of these guys in terms of if we're just talking top tens. Mm. No, that's, that's, that's a very fair take too. Um, yeah. What would you say John Rahm's best skill is on the golf course though? Like in his game. I think he's the best driver of the ball in the world right now. No? You think he's the best driver in the world? Who's better than him? Look at the numbers. I mean, I think on this best day, I think Bryson is. Sure. But over the past, and this is given the fact that Bryson has been hurt, but right. John Rahm's been the best off the tee player in the world this year. It actually okay. hasn't been that close. Okay. I mean, I know what the numbers say, but like, I think I, think I still put Rory in front of him. That's fair. That's fair Bryce too. In the, I think I would put Bryson in front of him. I think I would put. I still think I would put DJ. I know DJ's struggling, but I think mm. just in general, I think I would still put DJ in front of him. Yeah, Hovland's up there too. Like, yeah, like, like I, I guess with Rom, like, like I, like Morikawa, like I know his identity. Like Spieth, I like kind of like like know their identity. Like it was like their game. Like like Rom is just like he's really good in a lot of things, mm-hmm. and. You know, like that, as shown, finishes top 10 in a lot of stuff. But I don't know. Like, it just, it seems like, kind of like, I, I just seems like when I'm watching him, just like in the mix or something like that, just like, 
putts aren't going in or he's putting in a bunker. I it's like, I, I don't know. It just seems like, like he's like, he's the floor is really good for him. And yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. But like, it's like to win like four five, six majors, like, I don't know. That's I don't what I'm know saying. if, I don't know if he has it. That's what I'm saying is yeah. like, it feels like we're, going low on him but let me just read you off the guys that you're basically asking him to be in the same class of if he's over three and a half majors like we're talking rory peter thompson ernie ells nick faldo lee trevino sevi ballesteros byron nelson mickelson watson saracen palmer sneed hagen player hogan woods brooks i forgot like i just like you're ask you're asking you're basically saying if you're going over with Rom, assuming that he wins a couple more times too on the PGA Tour and gets to like twenty ish twenty five wins, you're talking about a top eighteen nineteen golfer of all time, right? And I don't think it's like a super hot take to say that you know Rom's going to win three majors and twenty times and he's the 30th best golfer of all time. Like, that's nuts. Like, that's easily in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's easily in the Hall of Fame. His, look at Greg Norman's career. Greg Norman has 32 wins and two majors. I have Greg Norman currently as the 27th best golfer of all time. Yeah. That feels right for Rom, no? And I think he probably wins a little bit less than 32 times and gets three majors instead of two. Right? No, no, I think that's 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 fair. fair. That's very fair. But I mean, I, I think you mentioned the, the Greg Norman doc was excellent. That was excellent. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was really good. I mean, I like how they went into, they didn't just, because everybody talks about the 96 masters, but I like how they went into some of the other map, like majors that he kind of gagged away to. It was, it was, it was interesting, but yeah, I mean, listen, like, I, I think we've come on like a lot of these players and said like, you know, under on them, but like, if, like if these guys get to multiple majors, like if you're going not, over on all these guys, I don't think you under, I don't think you get it because no, it's, you don't. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, like I've had conversations. I remember, uh, you know, after Spieth won the Open in 2017, like I was asking all my friends, like, all right, over under seven and a half total for you know, and it, it looks ridiculous in hindsight. Like you just don't know what's going to happen, and not to mention like. Like we have this pool of players right now, but like there's there's like I mentioned earlier, there's guys who are like 14, 15 right now who are gonna be awesome at golf are gonna come through too. And yeah. they're gonna have to contend with them. You know, there's some other guys, some young guys, like you got Cam Young, Sahith, like those types of guys, like maybe they end up being something too. Like it just there's it just feels like it's so much different than when like I was a kid, when like like you know when tiger first came like obviously he won everything but it just it it just seemed like it was five guys you had tiger you had phil you had ernie and vj and then we're t for a little bit and then like you know maybe like your adam scott's and like sergio's but other than that it was just a bunch of just schmucks and i don't feel like that's the case anymore with this like with the guys we have here and like you know all these guys are great players but god like how many ter- times we go into a tournament? We're like, I I want to bet everybody, yeah. but I can't. Yeah. And you can make a case for everyone. So yeah, like I I think like maybe some people are listening to this and be like, oh, you only think it's only going to get one? Like, well, look at everybody else. Like, there's just you know, 
he's got to take it from somebody. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because like whoever was the 50th ranked player in the world in 2002, mm-hmm. like Alex Smalley's probably better than that guy. Yeah, probably. Sahith is probably better than that guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think Sahith is ranked 160th in the world right now or something like that. So you're right. It's just, it's deep as it's ever been. And, uh, and this brings us to our final guy. <laughs> We're gonna make some people mad, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't think there's a, this is, can be a whole separate podcast, right? Uh-huh. We're, we're, but we're going to get it in an under two or close to two. Okay. Tiger Woods. I just wanted to mention him. 15.5, Steve. He's at, um, He's at 15. So does okay. Tiger Woods win one more major? Did you start with Rom? Did I start with Rom? You started with Rom. I think I started with Rom. So yeah, you can, okay. you can start with Tiger. Oh, okay. So I will say this. I have got, I've warmed on him more so than when I did the podcast with Nagels in December and we touched on Tiger. I don't see a ton of logic. Like it's kind of a lose evaluating tiger at this point. It's like, it's not even fun really. Like it's not, it's like, it's almost like LeBron, but like 10 times X where it's like, if you be the guy that doubts tiger, you just like look like an asshole and everyone's like, this isn't fun to like be that guy. And Oh, how can you doubt him? He did this and that he did this and that he did this. And like, if you're right, it's not fun because everyone's rooting for Tiger. And if you're wrong, you're just going to get dunked on, right? And so it's like you kind of have this like trump card with Tiger where like in terms of content, like you might as well just say you're high on him. But you know me, Steve. I'm going to call it like I see it. Right. I take the under. I'm a little more, I'm a little more bullish on him long term in the sense that I underestimated... <laughs> I didn't underestimate his drive. I underestimated how quick the recovery was though, right? Like and I and I underestimated that. I thought the first time we were going to see him was St Andrews. Hand up on that one. I was wrong. Um after the Masters, I thought it was 50-50 that he would play Southern Hills. Again, hand up on that one that I was wrong. I don't in terms of course fit I don't think he's ever going to contend in another U.S. Open. I think there is a universe for him at an Open Championship and a Masters where maybe there's a year at the Masters where the conditions are super, super brutal, and which is kind of how he... The way he won in 2019 was by outthinking everyone. He's still, his mental game is still miles ahead of every other player's. And especially on nuanced courses that require a lot of thought, like in Augusta, like some of the courses on the open rota, there's a universe where Tiger puts it all together for one week and it's tough conditions and he just outthinks his competition. It's possible. I just. I don't think it's going to happen, so I will take the under. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to consider he's 46 years old, so the window is very small. Well, wouldn't like, you say, wouldn't you say though, Steve, I've been wrong about this, don't you think he's probably going to play four tournaments a year for the next eight years? Yeah, but like, 
I mean, there comes a point where I think you just nailed it. Like is a 52 year old Tiger Woods with seven back surgeries and maybe having some more, you know, between now and then. Yeah. It's going to play well at PGA or US Open Cup. That's kind of a young man's game now. I, I, I don't think so. Um, I agree. You'd be surprised how many people disagree with us, though. Well, of course. There I know is. you're not on Twitter. I, of course there is. I mean, they're, they're all like you said, it's I don't like being on this side. <laughs> no. And like, I, I don't like having to be like, you know, the turn the punch bowl and, you know, trying to say, OK, while well, we manage expectations for Tiger Woods about this stuff, I think there's a fair way to talk about it. And I just, I, I don't think at the, the direction of PGA is going and the U.S. Open is going. I mean, he's not getting any longer off the tee. So those places, even if I think the U.S. Opens are changing a little bit of their strategy as far as like course setup and like some of these places they're going to, like it's still going to be just, I think it's, it, it's not going to work out for him. So you're looking at the Masters, which by the way, as someone who walked the course and has not you, as many did you, injuries. Did you, did you catch any of him, Steve? I, I saw, I saw a little bit. I mean, sure I tried that house. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to stay away because everybody would follow him. And I, I tried to, you know, basically position myself to where I could see more of the course and more groups to come through. But yeah, I saw him a little bit. I, I mean, I was right there. I saw him walk past me on 18. I mean, just, he looked gas on that Saturday. Just, I mean, it just, it was brutal for everybody, but props to him for walking that property. It's way tougher of a walk than I ever thought it would be. I know people say it's hilly. It's way hillier than it looks on TV. And that was impressive. It's just, it's not going to get any easier for him as he ages. Um, You know, there's the, the back is a ticking time bomb. You never know if that's going to go out again. So I don't know how much longer we have with him. I think you're right. It probably would come in an open championship. But even then, like, I think just so many things have to go perfectly for him over four days. And I, at this point, I think if we get him contending at a top 10, I think we should appreciate it. I think we should admire it. But to, you know, if, if we, if we come away from like a masters and open, like he's not winning and stuff like that, like that's, that's an unfair expectation to set on him at this right. point. So I think it's going to be under. I hope I'm wrong. That would be great. Uh, I mean, it was not fun being on in 2019, like as a gambler, not having any shares of Tiger and kind of because I had Brooks and I had Xander. I was rooting <laughs> against Tiger. I don't I, I want to be that guy again. Like it, it would be fun to see him win again, but I just I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know. I, I think it's I, the window might be shorter than what we realize with him. I think the fact that he's on this list and it's a conversation is a massive testament to him and our already belief in him. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I would have included him on this list if he didn't make the cut at the Masters. Mm-hmm. Like he was top 10 heading into the weekend. He was. Right? So, yeah, that, I, and if he didn't look good at the Masters, I don't even think I would have bothered putting him on the list. So, we're both saying under but acknowledging that there's a universe where it happens. Like, let me ask you a question. Do you think you'll ever wager another dollar on him? Like what would happen? What if he finishes like 22nd at the PGA and gains like six strokes on approach and loses like three strokes putting? (laughs) 
I mean, I, I think I'm still only on like a top 20 or like a mid cut prop on him. It's like, fair. I just, yeah. I, I mean, like the books aren't, they're still setting him, I think, for Southern Hills at like 50 to one. He's 8,200 on DraftKings, which is yeah, Looney like, Tunes. What are we doing? Looney Tunes. Like, come on. And you know what? This is going to actually sound pretty great when he wins Southern Hills and this comes out next week. So. Literally. literally. <laughs> yeah. Tiger Woods, Looney Tunes, DraftKings price for Southern Hills. So. We've done about two hours on the dot. I'm going to run you through six super rapid fire guys. I want you to just go over under on these guys. Sam Burns over under 1.5. Over. Hmm. I, I think went, the I think the kid's legit and he's okay. only 25. I think he's got a lot of skills in his arsenal. I think he's going to pop in a big way very soon. Okay. I went under, but I respect that take. Will Zalatoris 1.5 over under. We all under. I went I, over. I, okay. <laughs> I think I think the putter still kind of scares me a little bit. I know it's been better, That's but it, it scares me. Who do you think has so you think Zalatoris is or Burns has a better career than Zalatoris? I think so. I think Burns. Yeah, you're probably right. It's close Bur- though. He's, he's, God, Burns just has so many ways of like just getting around and scoring a golf course too. And I, I think like he's finally getting it together. I, 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 I think he's going to be a stud. Horrendous at majors so far, though. That is true, but it's small Could, sample size. Couldn't you see him have the type of career where it's all said and done, and Burns has twenty PGA Tour wins and zero majors? It could be. Or like maybe like yeah, or like maybe like a DJ career. It's like you know twenty two wins, like one major, something like that. Right, you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Neiman one point five under, but I got a soft spot for him. I like uh, Neiman. I think I do. Really, I, I think mean, Neiman's if, really good. I think he might be a, the best of the three. I went over. Yeah, if you if you can win a Riviera, you can win anywhere. I, I just put him at one though. But okay. Yeah, I, I think he'll win. Tony Finau zero point five. <laughs> So this will come out after the summer. I kind of like, like, like him that summer. I don't like him next week. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but I'm going to go under. Okay. But I kind of, I would not be surprised if he ends up on my betting card. Yeah, me too. Days. 50 to one or something like that. Yeah. Probably. I went over with, with Finau. Okay. I just, I think there's one magical week. I like him at the Masters. I like him everywhere. He's been, he's ten, like 50% major top 10 percentage. He's good on these. He's been good overseas too. Yep. I think he gets one. He's 30-ish, okay. I think. Sung JM, 1.5. I'm going to go under. Yeah, me too. I, sh- I struggle, kind of, like, and I answered that question with Rob. I struggle with what Sung Jay, like, what's his identity? Yeah. As far as, like, who he is as a golfer. Like, I, like, he hits a lot of fairways, but it seems like when I look at his trending table, like, I'll remember from six months ago, he was way up in putting, and now he's just way down. Like, it, it just seems like he's kind of all over the map sometimes. Right. Patrick Reed, 1.5. Does Reed get another one? Uh, is he still rocking a PXG driver? <laughs> He's a good candidate for maybe he just falls off the face of the planet. I mean, I don't right. think he'll ever, I don't think Justine will ever fall off the face of the planet, but I went under. I think he's a decent candidate where maybe the game's just, just passed him by a little bit. Yeah. He's really short. We talk about how um, Spieth and Morikawa actually have like underrated distance because they get stacked up against the other elite players. Like Patrick Reed's like, hasn't he lost distance with the PHG? Yeah. I mean, that driver he's rocky is it's bad. <laughs> it's I think it's only like three hundred dollars to retail. Like yeah. it's it's not good. And 
like it just he just is not a good ball like relative to everybody else he's just not a good ball striker and i mean his major record other than that stretch from like 2017 to 2018 it's it's not great yeah i mean he's listen maybe we're being a prisoner of the moment he's like 32 years old and has won nine times on the pga tour at a lot of tough golf courses and he's probably going to be that dick bag that plays the masters until he's 67 but i think i don't think he wins another major uh that's all i got steve anything else before we get out of here my friend before we start diving into like (laughs) see the gala over unders yeah that's that's the uh the after show basically. That's part two. Yeah, yep, de- definitely. No, I, I, I think we said we were going to try to keep this an hour, hour and a half, and we went to two hours as I thought we would. So, no, this was great. I appreciate me having on. This was a lot of fun, and uh, maybe we can revisit this in uh, like five. Oh, we years should. Or we should. I was going to say I can write all of this down at the end. Like, mm-hmm. there's no real way for, like, in terms of us having a bet on this to see who gets more right. Like it is. I hope we're still. Fr- I'm optimistic we'll still be friends. <laughs> and, I think uh, we will be. Yeah, I'm optimistic we'll still be friends. But yeah, I thought um, if you guys like this podcast, let us know, and we'll do more stuff like this. I'm always trying to think of uh, new and different ideas to kind of switch things up. I had a blast doing this. This is probably a um, a precursor for another two hour pod that we probably that we're going to do this again on Monday, right? We're up. Uh, this already is well, we, that will have already happened. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm yeah, excited. over under uh, 95 minutes for uh, the Southern Hills podcast. We're going to do 95 sounds about right. Yeah, no, good no line. Eagles. Yeah, 95 sounds about right. Okay. Um, right. Anyway, uh, do you have where can they find you? I guess you're plugging your colonial pod. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, after hopefully a very successful uh, PJ Championship betting card, uh, we will be doing our Colonial coverage this week on the Golf Gambling Podcast. Uh, we record three times a week, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You can also find me on the Slack channel uh, on SGP. There's a link at the bottom of uh, all my columns um, where you can join the fun. And uh, I know you guys have a Slack channel too on uh, Rick Run Good. I'm glad you guys are in the Slack channel game. It's a great community to, with uh, good minds. Just banter about golf or whatever you want. So yeah, come join us. In the did, Slack you mention your, did you mention your articles too? Like you write great course preview articles. Yes, I, yes my course preview articles. Uh, they come out every Sunday as well. So yeah, it's at the bottom of that column. You can, uh, yeah, you know, go read it. I'll break down the golf course. I'll, uh, give you tips on what you should look for, and then we'll banter about it on the podcast. So again, thank you, Andy Lack. It's always a pleasure pleasure to uh, be on the podcast. It's a lot of fun and uh, appreciate you having me on. Steve, good to see you, buddy. We'll talk soon, my friend. Bye. All right, that is it for the podcast. Special thanks to Twitterless Steve. Special thanks to RickRungood.com. We'll be back on Sunday, breaking down the memorial. Muirfield Village. Until then, best of luck with your bets this week, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead center back road stop